DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He's the author of numerous books on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola, as well as the teachings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, including The Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, The Eucharistic Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, the book on which this series is based. A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris, and always happy to be here. What a delight to be able to have before us a biblical way of praying the Mass. What led you to undertake this book at this time? Well, I would imagine that most who will be joining us in this conversation are people who love the Mass, are faithful to the Mass, and at the same time have a sense that they wish that they were able to pray it more deeply. You know that sense when, for example, let's say the um, you've listened to the readings and maybe even a couple minutes after you've heard them, you'd be hard put to say what they were, and you kind of wish that that somehow they uh, had they struck more deeply, you know, and spoke more deeply to your heart. And then maybe at the consecration, we know that that's such a deep point, but it somehow seems to go right by us, and we we don't live it as deeply as we wish we did. Or maybe communion. You know, we receive communion with great faith and knowing that we are receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Lord Jesus. But somehow in our hearts is a sense, I wish that I just lived this more deeply, that my heart was more engaged. And then we leave Mass, grateful to have been there, but again, somehow wishing that it it had more impact on our day, that it stayed with us more. So if any of that resonates with anyone as we're putting this into words, that's why I wrote the book. That's exactly the need that this book, I hope, will meet for people. This immediate topic is, it's just really a paragraph in the writings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, something that he wrote for himself as his ordination to priesthood grew near, and then in the latter years of his life, shared with his oblate priests. And I'm just really happy now to share it more widely. What he did was to craft a way of meeting that need, of being able really to pray the Mass. So his text is not so much an instruction on the Mass. It presumes that. And obviously, the more we can learn about the Mass, the richer will be our ability to live it. But even once we've, let's say, gone through the Catechism of the Catholic Church or the writings of recent popes, or there are many wonderful books out there now that help us understand the structure of the Mass and its parts and their meaning, there's still another step, and it's the step that our hearts long for. I want more than my mind to understand this. I want my heart to really live this. And I think of St. John Henry Newman's classic description of prayer, that heart speaks to heart. There is a divine heart that meets me in the Mass, and I want my heart to be deeply engaged in that dialogue. Well, that's the need that Venerable Bruno is meeting. He's really a practitioner of the spiritual life. And what he does is to choose a biblical figure for the various principal parts of the Mass and invite us to enter deeply into the sentiments that fill the heart of that biblical figure at a given moment. So the first of them, for example, Simeon, when he goes to the temple to meet the Lord. 
And to find there in the heart of the respective biblical figure a space for our, our own hearts that can help us engage in and live deeply the corresponding part of the Mass. And, you know, I first came across this when I entered the Oblates, which is now uh, 48 years ago. Within a few years, in our novitiate especially, we went through Venerable Bruno's writings, and that's when I first encountered this. And it's always been there, uh, as I've been, well, first attending Mass as a seminarian and now celebrating it through the years of priesthood. So much so that, in fact, I have it taped on the wall close to the place where I generally celebrate Mass when I'm home in community. And it's just a kind of faithful companion, and it grows over the years. And it does give your heart, in the simplicity of an intuitive glance, as it were, without a lot of uh, complex reasoning. As I say, the study precedes the, the understanding of the Mass, but this is actually about praying the Mass when we're at Mass. And what this supplies is a series of spaces for the heart to rest that are beautifully chosen to help us enter into the respective part of the Mass. So that's how the book came about, because I have found this so helpful myself over the years. Generally, when I have shared it, people get enthused about it. But I've also realized that, um, and at this point, I've read fairly widely, I would say, in the classics and the major spiritual figures of our Catholic spiritual tradition, but I haven't found this anywhere else, this approach, this specifically biblical approach to the various parts of the Mass. So I'm really, really happy to share this with people in the hope that it will meet a need that I think many of us feel. I love the Mass. I, I fully am engaged in the faith of the Church and the power and the richness of what takes place there, but I wish I could pray it more deeply from my heart. Well, here's an answer. What I was so struck by, especially after reading the book, well, I, I have to say praying with the book. That's, it is a prayer book, essentially, because mm. what you're struck by is that every line, every uh, verse that is offered in the Mass has a meaning. Each line, each verse, every prayer is packed I mean, there's, there's almost an explosion of grace that if you only really sat and pondered that particular line or verse, that so often we kind of, and I'll just say it for myself, I, I'm not, I won't assume for others, but sometimes I just fly right past it. And I haven't had the chance to really take it in deeply. That's important, I think, isn't it, for us to really appreciate yeah, uh, absolutely. So something like the Gloria, for example, that we say at Mass, you know, glory to God in the highest, and we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, and so forth. Uh, think of the Creed. Think of the preface uh, at the Mass, the Holy, 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 the words of consecration, the Our Father, Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, and so forth. All of these are, are very packed. And in writing the book, what I wanted to do was to kind of slow the pace so each chapter looks at the biblical figure and why that biblical figure can help us to pray that part of the Mass. But then in the second part of each chapter, there's always a prayer exercise based on that, on what we've seen in the first part of it. And in a number of the chapters, that's what I tried to do, is to slow the pace as a person, let's say, praise the Gloria. 
So I have a, a, a simple comment or gloss line by line as a person goes through that. My hope being that as a person does this outside of Mass, uh, please God prayerfully reading through this, things will be very different when the person encounters that same prayer in the Mass itself. And that sense that you just described, Chris, and that I think many of us share, that there's just so much here that I just can't take it in and it kind of goes by me more than I would wish, that will start to change. Now, like everything in the life of prayer, this is not an overnight kind of thing. You know, reading the book, it will be an introduction to way, a way of praying the Mass. I've been using it for probably about 45 years now, and it's still developing for me. But I love it because it gives my heart a place to focus at all the key moments of the Mass. And it's, uh, as I've said, just said before, it's not complicated. It's not step one, step two, step three, think through this, think through that. It, it, it's heart engaging with heart which is finally what prayer is about. So uh, that, that's the approach, and um, I look forward to sharing it now. One thing I would like to bring forward for everyone out there is that this book is so different from others, I think, in that by taking those prayers of the church and then reflecting in sacred scripture, exact, and then bringing that into your prayer, into your heart, as you said, that's a threefold action in a very real way. And there's something about praying with sacred scripture that is different from the meditations that will come from a holy, pious imagination of an author, which are all, I say in all reverence, are so beautiful. But that engagement in your prayer with the word of God in this great prayer of the church, that's powerful. That really is an extraordinary grace, isn't it? It's the primary source of any meditation, you know, of course, is the Word of God. And that's the reason why this approach to praying the Mass is timeless. It was written 200 years ago, but it reads as um, newly written today as it did then because it's biblical. It's not linked to a particular spirituality at a particular time, but it's always fresh and it's as alive and rich as the Word of God is, as, as Scripture is which is just one more of those reasons why I'm so happy to be able to share this with a wider audience now. Then let us begin, shall we, as Simeon enters the temple. Okay. The first question that Venerable Bruno poses, it's kind of, it's almost this Thomistic approach of question and answer. Uh, before we get the answer, let's see what the question is. Now, in his case, as a priest, he goes into the sacristy, he puts on the various vestments for Mass. There are prayers to say as he's doing this, when he is ready and it's time, he exits the sacristy, goes through the church to the altar, and begins Mass. What's in his heart as he's doing this? Now let's transpose that to those of us who assist at Mass. So we are aware of time and preparations at home and getting things in order. And this, of course, has to be filtered through you know, a mother of a few young children is in a very different situation than, let's say, a retired man or woman. Um, but in every case, there is this space in which we are transitioning from our normal circumstances of life, whether it's home or work if a person is going on his or her lunch hour uh, or after work. We are preparing and uh, then traveling. 
uh, whether walking or commuting or driving. We arrive at the church. Let's say if we've driven, we park the car. We walk over to the church, enter down the aisle, genuflect and take our place. And most likely there's maybe a minute or two, a, a short time at least before the Mass begins. Up in front of us in the sanctuary of the church, probably the servers, maybe the priests are getting things ready and final preparations, or if there's a choir and music, you know, all of that is uh, being put in place. Now, what's going on in our hearts as all of this is happening? Is it just physical necessity that we have to prepare at home, travel, enter the church? Uh, or is this a spiritual action? Is there a way to live this transition from our normal place in life to the being ready for the Mass to begin that can really help us enter the Mass in a much richer way? Obviously, if there is, it can make an enormous difference in how we pray the Mass. So this is the first thing that Venerable Bruno is addressing. And he addresses it by inviting us to think of Simeon, this man who has grown elderly in love and faithful service of God, the day when he goes to the temple to meet the Christ. And so we might think of him, you know, as the years are going by and the longing increases in his heart. And somewhere in his heart, a sense arises in the spirit that uh, his desire to see the Christ of the Lord before he dies will be answered. And somewhere in his prayer and in his life of faith, now he senses that the time is drawing closer. And today he rises, he has his usual routine, um, whatever simple meal he may have in prayers, and begins the activity of the day. But his heart knows that today is different and that today is the day. And then the time comes, and uh, Luke tells us, you know, in the spirit, uh, he knows that the time has come. And he exits his house. We watch him walk through the streets with the thrill in his heart and the desire and the sense of something profound and precious that lies ahead. That he is going to meet the Christ of the Lord. We see him enter the temple, and we see him positioned now in the temple when Mary and Joseph approach with the child in her arms. And now he knows in the spirit that this is the Christ of the Lord, the long-awaited one. And his heart, uh, as he says in that beautiful prayer, uh, now, O Lord, you can dismiss your servant in peace. Every desire of my heart is met now because I have seen and held and encountered the Christ of the Lord. So Venerable Bruno says, if you want to live the transition from your circumstances at home or at work or wherever to the beginning of Mass, ask for the same sentiments that filled the heart of Simeon on that day as he headed to the temple, aware because you know that you're going to meet the same Christ of the Lord that he met then. So that's his invitation. And that's what I meant earlier when I said it's simple. It's an intuition. It's a single glance of the heart. And I think it, there's something really in, I'll say in the spirit, that Venerable Bruno chose this biblical moment as an instance of how we can live uh, going to church and preparing for Mass. What if we did all of that uh, transition to the church and preparation with something of the same sentiments that filled the heart of Simeon as he went to the temple on that day? And you can see what a difference this can make. 
the mat, uh, when actually the mass starts. It's not going to catch us spiritually, as it were, by surprise or suddenly happen. We've longed for it. Our hearts are already there. Uh, they are, are already aware of the depth and the richness and the power and the beauty of what lies ahead. The longing is stirred within us, and we are now receptive and ready to begin the actual Mass itself. We'll return to A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness. You gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ, your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, Hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, or Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. Now, Venerable Bruno supplies a second help also to assist us in this, I guess I'm calling it this transition into the Mass. It's preparing for the Mass, the the immediate preparation for Mass and the 
what, 10, 15 minutes or so that uh, lead to our actually being present in church before Mass begins. He also invites us, together with Simeon, either one or the other, both, I suppose, if one chose, uh, to, he says, or I will imagine seeing some other fervent saint as that fervent saint prepares to go to Mass. Well, we think of all the holy men and women who have gone before us, who loved the Mass. Many of them went to Mass daily. What sentiments stirred their hearts as they also left home and went to the church and entered the church for the Mass? Well, let's give one example. I want to focus briefly here on the parents of St. Therese, Saints Louis and Zélie Martin. And let's do this through quoting some of the writings of their children. So this is Therese's older sister, Celine, who writes about her mother. And she says, Mother lived a life of deep piety. Every morning she assisted with my father at the 5.30 a.m. Mass. That was their custom, Louis and Zélie together. They would rise at 5 and at 5.30 would be there in the church. This was when they were at Alençon and Zélie was still alive. Both of them went to Holy Communion as often as the custom permitted, which was less than in our own time. But they had that instinct. As often as they could, they went to Communion when that Mass. In addition to that, on Sundays, they assisted at the Solemn High Mass and at Vespers. And the biographer, who is this uh, Franciscan priest, Father Stefan Joseph Pia, one of the really classic writers on Therese and her family, he comments, whether they had been up late at night or be Lent ever so hard, let's remember that you fasted every day during Lent. It was a penitential time. And the mother confessed that at times it cost her something. They rose at 5 a.m. to be there for that Mass. Celine then uh, recounts of her father, Louis. Our father went daily to Mass and also to Holy Communion as often as the custom of the time permitted. Accompanied by our mother, he left the house early so much so that the neighbors used to say at the sound of the closing of the door, that is the holy Martin couple going to Mass. Let us sleep some more. And then later, when the family moved to Lisieux, uh, Celine writes, at Lisieux, it was most often at the cathedral that my father assisted at Mass. The days on which he went to Holy Communion, he generally remained silent on his return journey. They would walk to and, and then back from the church. And then as she quotes him, I like to continue my conversation with our Lord, he used to say to us. As uh, Zélie's death from her cancer grew closer, uh, we have a number of really striking illustrations of what that morning Mass meant for her. So this is just seven weeks before her death, and she's mm -hmm. writing to her sister-in-law, Céline. Uh, they were very close, the two of them. I had to start at five o'clock this morning in order to go to the first Mass. I was alone as Louis was at nocturnal adoration. Finally, I called Marie to help me to dress. In church, I found it very hard to sit down and get on my knees. I could scarcely move without crying out, so I am not going back to high mass anymore. It was just too long and too much for her physically to bear at this point. All right, so now three weeks later, so this is four weeks before her death, and this is a letter of Marie to her aunt, and that is Celine, Celie's sister-in-law. Since the beginning of the week, Mama has been much worse. 
On Sunday, she still wanted to go to the first Mass, but she needed superhuman courage and had to make incredible efforts to get as far as the church. So you ask yourself, what what desire was there? What was it that moved her to want to overcome even these these uh, great physical obstacles. It's as though nothing would stop her. There was a, a longing, a desire. Now you can see where this is going, what Venerable Bruno is going to say. Ask what moved the hearts of, of these holy men and women to want to go to Mass and ask for something of that in your own heart as you're preparing for Mass. Every step she took seems to react on the pains in her neck. Sometimes she was obliged to stop in order to regain a little strength. When I saw that she was so exhausted, I begged her to return home, but she wanted to go on to the end, believing that the suffering was a passing attack. It was by no means that. On the contrary, she had so much trouble on the return journey that she will not again be so imprudent. So, uh, humanly imprudent, supernaturally um, rich. And then this is uh, 12 days after that letter, so three weeks before her death. Azalee tries again to go to Mass, and Marie writes uh, again to her aunt. Last Friday morning, she went to the 7 o'clock Mass because it was the first Friday of the month. Papa helped her along, for without him, she could not have gone at all. On arriving at the church, she admitted that if someone were not with her, she would never have been able to push open the door of the church. So what drew her to Mass? What kind of longing, what sentiments filled her heart? What sentiments filled the heart of her husband Louis as he rose at 5 a.m. every morning, regardless of how late they may have been up or whatever circumstances might have been there, to get to Mass? What moved St. Thomas More? to attend Mass every morning. I think of that powerful last day before he set off for London never to return, knowing that he was likely to go to his martyrdom. And the first thing he does that morning is to go to the chapel and attend Mass. What desire, what understanding, what faith, what longing moves him to do this? St. Elizabeth Seton, we may quote this later, uh, you have a beautiful letter that she writes to a close friend of hers on the morning of her first communion. She was a convert. Just the longing, the desire, you know, at last God is mine and I am his. Let the word go all around. My heart beating, each step taking me closer. It's just beautifully described. St. John Paul II, and we may have seen photographs or video footage of that morning mass, which was the beginning of every day, his his private prayer in the chapel. And there would generally be a small a group of people there, maybe 20 people or so in this small chapel. And then uh, the way he would celebrate Mass. Uh, what was the longing? What was the desire? So this is what Venerable Bruno is saying. This would be another way to engage our hearts in the transition from home, we'll say, into church for Mass and to prepare. Just to let our hearts dwell on the longing for, the desire for, the appreciation of, the love for the Mass that stirred these holy men and women to want to be there almost you get the sense that we just can't uh, not be there. What's coming to mind also as I'm saying this is something that Pope Benedict quoted a number of times in different talks on the Mass. And he quoted a group of 40-something Christians who attended a Sunday Mass in a home. 
in a time when it was uh, forbidden under pain of death by the Roman emperor, and they were discovered and brought before the Roman prefect. And of course, their martyrdom would follow. But the prefect asked them, well, why, why did you take part in a mass when you knew it was forbidden under pain of death? Pope Benedict quotes their answer in Latin, sine dominico non possumus, sine dominico non possumus. Without Sunday mass, we cannot live. Think of that. Head to mass that way. Ask for those sentiments, pray for them, and then your whole mass will be transformed. So this is just the beginning of the way Venerable Bruno is going to invite us to really pray the Mass from our heart. So maybe we can let these reflections now turn to prayer. I'd invite you, if you have time, or whenever you can do it, you can do it even while you're exercising or your hands are busy. If you get a quiet time, that would be wonderful. And just think of Simeon. In that Ignatian way, be present to him imaginatively. See him in whatever dwelling, his whatever home, you know, as that morning begins. Watch the thrill in his heart as he realizes that today is the day. Walk with him through the streets that lead him each step closer to the temple. Maybe talk with him if you feel moved. Enter the temple with him. Be there as he takes the, the Christ into his arms and, and his life's um, purpose is fulfilled in that moment. And or... Choose some other saint that you love and whose life you know. Speak with that saint in the communion of the saints. Ask that saint what motivated him or her to love the Mass so much, to want to be as close to it as possible. Maybe if you get time, read something from the life of that saint. Um, In this way, prayerfully, we can be preparing. In the quickness of that actual preparation, our hearts will be increasingly ready to live that spiritually not just as a physical necessary action to get myself there, but as something that I live uh, with faith and with my heart engaged in the meaning of that moment. Wow, Father Gallagher, it really comes forward for lay people in particular who may have families. I'm thinking of young families who are trying to get their kids there, or, or no matter what the age of the family is actually that oftentimes we think of the Mass as a community celebration, and it is. It's very communal in the sense that we're gathering with others. But it's also very personal. This is very intimate. Sometimes I know when I was a young mother uh, that that might get lost, unfortunately, because you're so busy trying to gather everyone up, get them out the door, let's get through this. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm sure, as you said, Zelie Martin had the same type of disposition on occasion. But it's possible to have both, isn't it? The, the sense of coming forward, the community, the duty, but yet it's an intimate encounter, isn't it, with heaven? Yes, all prayer has to always be filtered through the vocation to which God has called us, something that's very deep in the um, spiritual direction and letters of St. Francis de Sales, for example, You know that holiness is lived in the vocation uh, to which God has called us. And so it may be that, let's say, we have a mother with three young children, that her best preparation for the Mass may be the love that she shows to her children, 
and she may have very little mental freedom at all to be uh, reflecting in the way that we're describing right now. And that preparation, I mean, the beauty of her getting her children there and what that means for them that Sunday and for the rest of their lives, that their mother wanted to get them to Mass and assisted, accompanied them, helped them to get there and so forth. Probably at such times there's no better preparation, certainly no other other way of preparing for the Mass that would diminish her availability to her children would be something that the Lord would ask uh, of her. Now, even in such circumstances, it may be possible in some brief ways at least to engage in something of this kind of prayerful approach that Venerable Bruno suggests, although I'll recognize that sometimes it just won't. I I always remember uh, a young mother telling me once that the only way she could even pray at all was to uh, go in the bathroom and lock the door. And the children would give her a few minutes at least she, she could get. So, yes, all, all of prayer has to, has to be uh, nuanced through our vocation and living the duties of the vocation, which is always where uh, primarily our, our life of holiness will consist. However, that young mother's children will grow. And a time will come when she will have more uh, freedom. This This is not simply for one day. This is a whole approach throughout life to the Mass. And uh, if she knows this approach now and in the maybe fleeting partial ways that she's able to uh, apply it even at this point, she is building something that will, will deepen over the years of her life. And the time will come when the children are grown and have lives of their own and she may have increasing freedom for this. I've seen beautiful things. You know, the Spirit, the, the, obviously God's grace can strike at any time and do anything at any time. But most of the time, God's grace matches, works in, adapts itself to the graduality of all human experience. And so we grow gradually, we learn gradually over time, we gain a skill gradually over time, and so forth. And the same thing with prayer. So that, let's take again the busy mother or father in these circumstances, uh, even the such space as this approach to the Mass is possible when the children are young and life is frantic and busy and so forth, and the beauty of getting a family to Mass, uh, that's preparing. It's already a blessing then, but it's also preparing something that will will continue to deepen as uh, life goes on. So I would say this approach is for everyone, but obviously lived according to the circumstances of one's vocation. Preparing our hearts for Mass, as found in the Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, by Father Timothy Gallagher. Choose a saint whom you love and with whose life you are familiar. See this saint begin his or her day. Watch him or her arrange matters to make time for Mass. Now leave home with this saint. Accompany him, accompany her to church. Enter with them and prepare for Mass with this saint. Ask him, ask her, What made you so desire Mass? 
what brought you to church? What did you seek? What did you find? Why did you go so often? From the writings of St. Anselm Escape from your everyday business for a short while. Hide for a moment from your restless thoughts. Make a little time for God and rest a while in Him. From Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2. O God, you are my God. It is you I seek. For you my body yearns, for you my soul thirsts, in a land parched, lifeless, and without water. I look to you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. A Mass prepared with this desire will be prayed with faith, love, and spiritual fruit. What Venerable Bruno did so beautifully, and, and you have broken open for all of us, Father Gallagher, is the awareness of the disposition of our hearts, in, particularly as we prepare to go. Who, instead of, this is what I have to do, or I'm going to, we're actually racing towards someone or something that is calling us. There is a paradigm there, isn't it? There's an intentionality of our dispositions. That's what we're being called to check, isn't it? Yes, so that the action is transformed from a simple physical action, which it is and, and needs to be, and which, as we've just been saying, will require more or less of our attention depending on the circumstances, to an action which has a profound spiritual meaning. Simeon going to the temple. Think of the Jews going up to the temple on their um, their uh, pilgrimage for the Passover or any of the other feasts. And as Venerable Bruno says, think of, the, of any saint, you know, going to church for Mass. Uh, so that it is transformed into prayer. You know, when we speak of our prayer, well, this is not only prayer, because as St. John Paul II said so richly, the basic vocation of every human being is love. It's enough for that to be said that we know it. It isn't to be successful or get ahead or have more power and, and all of those things, you know, there are um, in varying degrees may be a part of our lives. And of course, in, in the Lord's will, we, he may call us to, um, to achieve in various ways in our lives. But finally, what really determines whether our hearts feel empty or feel joyful is that most basic human vocation. And love is a relationship. It's when a heart is in communion with another heart. And that's why I love this focus of Venerable Bruno, because what he's doing is supplying a simple, effective way with a single glance rooted in the biblical figure, or in this case, another saint, to, to do what we most want to do when we pray. And what most satisfies us, and that is that our heart 
meet the divine heart. So yes, that th- th- this is what really, really satisfies. Now again, this is going to be lived through all the ups and downs and ebb and flow of human experience. On a given day, I maybe I didn't sleep well and I'm just tired and it's hard to even engage in this kind of spiritual exercise. It's that season when my allergies are acting up and it's just hard to have the same kind of, uh, or there are, are real worries right now that are weighing upon me and so forth. So because of all the different factors that impinge upon our human consciousness and attention, uh, like all prayer, you know, it, it, it's going to be felt more one day or than, than another. And all of that's normal. Mm-hmm. It's in the tapestry of fidelity over time that, that prayer really grows. But having said that, this is, to my mind, about the most practical open door I have ever encountered into engaging our hearts in the Mass, which is what is most refreshes and satisfies and nourishes us. You've been listening to A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. To obtain the book on which this series is based, A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, The Eucharistic Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, visit EWTN.com, the website for the publisher, EWTN Publishing. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this program has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our mission of bringing free spiritual formation material to the world. But most of all, we hope you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher.